House Atreides forever. <laughs> this is the Creative Double Shot, a conversation about building the creative life you want. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Ginger. If you want more creativity in your life, let's talk. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Double Shot. Welcome. So last week we talked about more inspiration and getting inspiration from community and things along those lines. And uh, in further conversations, it occurred to us <laughs> that why do you need inspiration? And there's obviously the like to keep going for ideas and stuff like that. And, and so Ginger and I are both in this moment where we find ourselves in a bit of transitional place. Um, for me, it's I just finished a draft of my novel and I've sent that off to be critiqued. So I don't, I'm not working on it. I'm taking a break from it so that I can see it fresh next time around. And, uh, and there'll be another round of at least one or 20 other rounds. And then um, for you, what's your transition? Right now, it has to do with sort of figuring out really what my next body of work yeah. is going to be and trying to figure out whether it's going to come from a concept or from work that I then apply some concepts to. <laughs> or if you, you know. if you get a show that you suddenly have to create or, a body of work for. Exactly. Yeah. Which is always, that's a nice way to it's do interesting it. It really how, provides structure. Yeah, it provides uh, an impetus, a deadline. You're like, well, I have to come up with something. So you do. And, oh, and I've had, oh, it's so true. I've had shows regularly over the last 10 years. And with COVID, I've not been seeking them out and yeah, no, I don't have them. Well, it's interesting too. I think kind of going back to that, uh, I was talking about, we were talking about narratives and I mentioned, oh, I'm not good at deadlines. And then I said, well, let's test that and made some deadlines and actually more or less hit them. And I was like, oh, okay. So I wonder if there's a, a, an analog for you to be able to force yourself to create a body of work not necessarily because you have to for someone else, but that if you could do it for yourself, right. that'd be really cool. And so a big part of this, like figuring out what your next body of work is. And for me, it's like, well, what do I do in the meantime? I still want to write. So I've come up with, like, I'm working on some concepts for a new novel and uh, really the very beginning stages, but um, trying to figure out having ideas. Again, all the things we've talked about before, like making, you know, trying to make sure they're not cliche and that you know, that it's compelling and who are, who are the people? And so right now I'm just asking a lot of questions mm. about like, well, okay, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Uh, who's the person? Why are they? I, I settled on the fact that they're, whoever it is, they're coming home after being gone for a long time. And mm. I don't know, I don't know any, so I, the, the questions are, well, where were they? Why were they gone? What do they expect to see when they get home? What do they find when they get home? And so it was kind of cool. It's like, and I haven't answered any of those questions wow. yet, but it's like, all right, so now I've got these things. And uh, so that's part of this initial transition from the existing novel to something new. Yeah. Anyway. And so like getting ideas is always tough because again, you know, you, as a reader, you like have all these ideas in your head and you're like, oh, and usually you can trace their lineage, whatever you're coming up with to other things that you've done and read and stuff yeah. like that. And so that's kind of kind of an interesting process. And so do you, for you, like as far as trying to explore, I know we talked about the workshops that you did, and that's been a little bit of a stepping off point for some exploration too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, what's interesting to me is that you're 
asking all these questions, which I have been asking questions of myself too in my in my journal, but but you are opening all these doors kind of. And I feel like I'm in the process of trying to close some doors right. to limit myself a little bit yeah. and see how that feels. You know, so that's been a really interesting process of trying to limit myself to collage only right now for one week, you know, and just to watch the psychological process of right. me going, oh, I really want to paint now that I said I wasn't going <laughs> to. Whatever I decided, I, this is like... Uh, I'm not going to have any sugar in my diet ever. And it's like all I want is sugar in my diet, all of it. Give me the sugar. Um, How would you compare this time around to previous times? If I don't know if you've looked at that at all, but Mm. is it, does it feel familiar? Do you feel like you're trying different stuff during this transition period? I think I am actually for a couple different reasons, but that conversation that we had about, you know, because I have been making my living as an artist for so long and my ideas have been a little bit in some cases driven around a show and so someone wants more of my landscapey type work for a show so I get those ready and so I don't have those outside structures right this second. It feels a little different this time because I'm I feel like I'm allowing myself a little more leeway to explore some things that in the past my inner critic or whatever would have said, you know, no one's going to really want to buy that. Right. Right. It's all (laughs) merchant driven. (laughs) And that still creeps up. It's really kind of a fascinating thing, but it's not, it's not, I, I recognize it pretty quickly this time. And I say, well, you know what? That's okay. Like I'm, and I'm also experimenting, which maybe this is an episode, but I'm experimenting with doing more of what I've been told not to do in certain, (laughs) like, I tend to get a little busy in my work, you know, and I want to put everything in every painting. Yeah. And so I've, you know, a lot of fellow, you know, peer critique or uh, in workshops or whatever mentors have said, you know, you don't need to say everything in one painting, like try to dial it back a little. And so I, I do that all the time. But then this week I said, what if I just ramped it up instead? (laughs) You know, I probably got that from Andy J. Pizza, I think, suggested that in one of his podcasts at some point, you know, like just... Like the Costanza approach to... (laughs) (laughs) Do the opposite. Every time I have an idea. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Whatever whatever you think. Do the exact opposite. Yeah, exactly. Your instincts tell you. But it's an interest. That's an interesting tack to take in a transitional. Like if you're yeah. finding yourself in, because what I find in transitions sometimes, and it's a narrative that it's always the case. Yeah. So I have to be careful of that. But a lot of times, that's when I allow doubt to creep in oh, sure. in the transitions, because then it's like, okay, you just were on this roll, and now that's done. You have to move on. You don't have any ideas left. You right. don't, you know, like, <laughs> and so I think one thing you could try or, you know, that I'm trying this week is, all right, well, look those fears in the face and do it anyway yeah. kind of thing. I think that's cool. I think, you know, yeah, it's all part of the exploration. I think what would be interesting too is coming at it once you've created those to look at those pieces from both sides, you know. 
I hate to use both sides in this day and age, but anyway, from the, right. from the idea that it's too much and go, you know, how does it, how does it make me feel? Does it, you know, does it create tightness in my chest when I look at this? Cause there is so much going on or nope, I, I love it. And I'm just going to roll with it because there's no one right way to do any art. You know, there's yeah. just what feels good. And I think going back to that commodity thing and the selling is that the idea that, and we've talked about this a million times, probably on the podcast, but also just in general, it's like, man, if you are creating from a place that feels really good to you and it's coming out and when you, when it comes out, it ultimately, when you finish it up, feels really good to you, that's all you need. And there will be people, if you can get it out into the marketplace, that it will resonate with. And Mm -hmm. we don't need to worry about whether it's going to sell or not in the truest sense. Like if you're just trying to like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do these, you know, for example, Rothko-esque paintings because I think they're going to sell, then yeah, that's, (laughs) that's probably not it. But if you're like, hey, I'm creating from my, my truest place and really being okay with, well, I know it probably will sell because in the past, things that I've created from such a place have sold because people pick up on that. And Mm -hmm. I think coming from a reader perspective, there are books that I've read where it's like, well, yeah, I see what's happening. I see what their their intended effect is, but it's very mechanical. Music's another one. The music is technically perfect, mm-hmm. but there's no there's no heart behind it, and so it doesn't really resonate. It's it's an accomplished piece, but it doesn't resonate, and it does. You don't think, once you're done with it, you just kind of move on. And so the the whole point is just like making sure that you're working from that place and let everything else follow after as opposed to putting the commodity in the sales part first. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. I've made this really this amazing thing that I love. Now let me figure out how to how to sell it, how to get it out there and find the people who I think it'll it'll resonate with. And I mean I feel like in some ways it's probably harder to do it as a visual artist because your avenues for getting your art out there in front of the right people are either smaller, like so it's a very local market, or uh, it's so big it's super competitive, right? right? And that's a, that's yeah. always a challenge. And with writing, I think that's true to a point, but if I'm, say, writing science fiction, there is an, an audience that loves science fiction. And granted, they're, they're hu- there's a huge spectrum within that, but at least I can kind of have an idea. Of course, I still have to get in front of an agent right. or, you know, get in front of a publisher. And uh, that's a whole nother thing. Um, I, I was listening to a podcast called How Writers Write that I just found. And uh, it's really cool. Basically, this guy, um, and I, I apologize to the guy because I can't remember his name, <laughs> but he, he brings people on and basically talks to them for, for about an hour about just sort of how they got into writing, what's their writing process. And, you know, some of it's kind of like, okay, yeah, those are some things I've heard before, but hearing individual authors talk about their process. And so listening to this podcast, this author, Alex Harrow, who wrote the 10,000 Doors of January, I think is the title. Um, But she talks about how she's had this amazing trajectory, but she's like, this is like how much luck has played into that. Mm. And I was just thinking about, you know, getting an agent and publisher and, and the timing, or even, you know, with visual artists, like a lot of it just happens to be when things align up and you can only control so much. And so if you can only control so much, the thing that you can, and I don't even want to say control, but the thing that you can get them, like you can actually affect the most is by creating from mm-hmm. the place of, of good feelings. And uh, anyway, just a fascinating thing. So in these transitional periods, you know, when you're trying to think of these new ideas or you're trying to think about what comes next, 
I think the what's saleable should be probably like last on last. the list of those yeah. things, right? Because it's like, well, what are you going to, if you're going to invest a bunch of time, what are you going to want to spend a lot of time on? If it's something that's just like, oh, this is drudgery and I'm just trying to do this because I think it's going to sell, then that's not going to be, that's going to be however much time of your life that you never get back. That right. you're like, why did I do that? That, was, that wasn't any fun at all. I think mindfulness really comes into it in terms of really being in the moment with your process because I keep lists of ideas, you know, things yeah. that I want to explore later. And so sometimes I'll remember to look at those lists at a time like this. And I think I did that this week, you know, where I looked through it and I went, no, nah, I'm not sure what inspired that particular yeah. thought, but it, that, I don't feel like doing that or nah. You know, so at certain times, something seems like a brilliant idea. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're just not in that space. That's right. Necessarily anymore. It's still worth keeping those lists, but, you know, like I was, I was kind of surprised to find that this week. Like, oh, yeah, no, that doesn't sound as good as I thought it did. Yeah. Well, and I think you're right. Like that point about it, it's like at that time, that was like, oh, that, this is something I think I'd be interested in looking into. You know, they're like, keep a book of your story ideas. And I have like 40 books that have six ideas in them and, and documents online and all kinds of stuff. And inevitably, I, find, I come across them and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's I'm not interested in that at all. And so I was thinking of another interview that happened on that podcast with Paul Tremblay, horror writer. And he was talking about how he's like, yeah, I don't have a list of ideas. That, so when I'm writing one novel, I'm chomping at the bit to get to the next new shiny thing, you know, and... And I think I, that resonates with me because I'm just like, I'm in the thing that I'm mm -hmm. in and I want this to be the best thing it can be. And, uh, oh, I just had an aha moment yeah, that, do, do oh tell. boy, <laughs> see, but, that's, I think that's a thing. It might be a narrative, but you know, like it's a, it's a thing for me to be instead of a hundred percent involved in the moment of a current thing I'm working on going, Ooh, Ooh, I can also do this. Yeah. This would be better. But I'm working, you know, like, so I jot that down, but, oh. Which is fascinating because you were talking earlier about, like, <laughs> trying to put everything into one painting. And that speaks to that a little bit, too. And that's, you know, I think part of any creative process is sort of like you kind of get it all out there. And then you're like, and then there's the addition by subtraction portion right. of it. And again, with writing, it's easier because I can just cut words and paragraphs and chapters and stuff. And with painting, it's like, well, I got to cover that up. Yeah, You know, I've got a, or I do a new version without that or, or however you decide to iterate. And it's the grass is greener symptom though, right? It's like, oh man, this is fun, but I'm kind of bored a little bit right at this moment. So what, oh, hey, uh. that's that cool thing over there <laughs> where going back to um, kind of creating that inspiration within the project that you're working in, like reaching again for that better feeling thought of yeah. why it was exciting in the first place. And, and so here we are in this weird transition space where it's like, well, I don't necessarily have that in my transition. So where, where's my better feeling thought coming from? And I think that's why it's really, for me anyway, it's really important to kind of work things through and over multiple times because often your first ideas are not your best, just like your first words. We were talking about the, uh, the doubt that Samuel Delaney was talking about. And so you should, you should, you should always doubt, constructively doubt, you yeah. know, your ideas as you work through them because Again, if you like for a novel, I mean, I'm I'm spending years on a novel, so I want to make sure that it's something that excites me. And uh, a lot of times with this current one, I've definitely 
keep going back to certain, not themes, but just certain feelings about like when I, when I picture it in my mind, it's like, oh yeah, you know, and I, it's kind of interesting that I'm taking all these visual cues that help inspire me to keep going because that's what translates from my head into my writing. At least I hope so, right? Where I'm, where I'm writing it and it's actually the words on the page are distilling even better what was in my head originally. And so I don't know. That's fascinating because I feel like as a visual artist, I depend on words a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, I mean, who knows if it's a good idea or not, but you know, I love I love to write about and journal about and think about. Yeah. And I don't always visualize it even though then I express it in a visual way and you're visualizing expressing in yeah. a word way. I think that's interesting and I I I think that like then once the writing starts that visualization is a guide for me. And I, I know we talked recently, I'm like, well, you know, do you like thinking about it as a visual artist, having an end goal in mind? And I know that's not generally your MO. And I, I you know, in, in my mind, I'm like, well, I feel like I would have to have when I picture what this would look like. Because just like in writing, if I don't know where I'm going, it makes it very difficult to know how I'm going to get there. Like yes. if I have a beginning and an end, I can fill in the middle and it can, it can take a lot of different paths and it can look a lot of different ways. And so I do a lot of writing and rewriting and rewriting. And again, for you, it'd be like having a bunch of paintings. Yeah, exactly. And not having each one be precious. That's the thing, right? Like, it's like, okay, I get attached. All right, that's closer. I'm going to move this aside and I'm going to use that as a comparison for my next one and do that one. Instead, I look and go, how can I get that part right there? It's perfect. I just need to make that bigger or, you know, like. Yeah, totally. But I think. I think really getting back, for me, I'm getting back a little bit to representational art. And I think for me, it's providing a little structure. I realize I've been trying to go abstract for so long because I'm really drawn to abstract art. However, I don't think I have an anchor as much. In abstract art is really hard to do well. And I think part of the reason for me is that I love the experimentation process. But then I come up with some cool effects, and then I don't know either, A, how to recreate them, Mm -hmm. or I think they were just a lucky accident. I don't see any necessary, necessarily, I don't see any progress in my, whereas when I do a representational, like I've been drawing the same things over and over the last couple of weeks, and I see improvement, and I see, I can see a picture in my head more of what I'm going to paint. So I think... I am moving towards this idea of having where I'm going in my head more than just yeah. like, ooh, I want to play with materials and see what happens. Right. Well, and I think those are both valuable. Exactly. And, yeah. And so how I think does I that lean too far? Sorry, lean no, no, too far good. over the other way. Yeah. Know? And so going back to the transition stuff, how does that factor into? I mean, that seems to have factored big time into where you are at this point. Like you're now you're exploring more figurative stuff again because you feel like you veered. Like, so everything that you've done before informs what's going to come next for, for better or for worse or for negative or for positive, right? Like, so it's like, well, I feel like I really went far in this direction. So as I'm making this transition, I know that I don't want to do that right now. And so I'm going to come back this way. And so now you've got a, a bit of focus that you can explore as you kind of work like, and eventually you'll probably settle on something like, okay, I, I want to do more of this. Um, I was thinking about the abstract stuff and, you know, again, sort of as a writer, I'm like, uh, you know, I imagine making an abstract painting 
and then going, okay, I'm going to put that over here and then I'm going to make another one just like it, but I'm going to try, try and give it more depth. I'm going to try and give it uh, maybe a different color palette, or I'm going to subtract some of the elements that were in that first one because I feel like it's, it's too busy and there's not enough focal point. You know, I don't know, like I'm just thinking about it that way as opposed to well, I made this one and that's abstract and I'm going to make this other one that's different from that one, but it's also abstract and it's similar in terms of like the shapes or whatever or the palette. Oh, it's interesting because as you're talking, <laughs> it sounds so cool. And I know some reasons why I haven't that are, yeah. com are coming up. Like I hear a voice whispering like, you would use a lot of materials doing that. That's right. You would waste, and I'm putting air oh, quotes God. around that, materials playing around. And those are kind of just ingrained or, or I don't know what they are, but yeah. you know, like. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting too. I mean, obviously as, again, as a writer, words are cheap and they're just ones and zeros on a computer. So I can take like this last one, I think I cut 40, 50,000 words in my revision process and of course added probably half that again. And um, That would be like burning thousand dollars worth of canvases. Well, <laughs> no, the beautiful thing about the canvases, right, you can true. always repaint over them. But, yeah. but I, I was also thinking that your attitude toward materials and stuff also informs this transition to even what, even what you're getting ready to do now. It's like, well, all right, what am I going to, you know, what materials am I going to use? I don't want to waste stuff while I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing next, <laughs> which is it's, absurd when you think about it, right? It's, it's like, well, that's what the materials are there for. And, and, uh, so you, again, you bring your emotional ball of twine to yeah. your transition process, because <laughs> even though you are trying to come up with something new that you're willing to work on, you still have all this stuff that you carry with you to it that might uh, be limiting. I would think like with the better feeling thought and getting sort of that, that giddiness that you talk about, I think possibly adding an element of risk in your transition process would be super helpful toward achieving that and giving you something that's like, okay, well, this is scary. It's scary because yeah. I've never done anything like this before, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. Like committing to that, even though, and that's why I think the iteration part is so important, even in the transition stuff, like where you're going through your ideas and you're, and maybe you're doing some sketches and some test uh, pieces and stuff like that and trying to um, figure out your technique a little bit. I'm thinking of the collage stuff that you're working on and, uh, and you have to do that because inevitably your first try is going to be like, well, that's kind of what I'm going after, but it's not really. And, you know, sometimes you might go down these blind alleys where it's like, hmm, no, that's not it. But better to do that in sort of this transition time rather than like, oh, I'm going to commit to this one thing because this is what I've decided to do. And then realize, you know, six months down the way, a year, two years that you're just like, I didn't enjoy that at all. And, and I don't <laughs> like the product. <laughs> and now I'm going to, this last novel I did, I, I spent a lot of time working through the story, the characters, not necessarily like having a Bible or, or mapping everything out, but just like what feels good and, you know, doing some sort of like rough outlining of just blocks of narrative and going, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. As opposed to writing like a 17 chapters on this block of narrative that's like, yeah, that whole thing doesn't seem right. Um, and that helped me. I think. <laughs> well, it helped me compress the process from the last time I did it. And uh, I think I'll probably do that again in some way this time around. But uh, And it felt better. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I felt like by the time I actually started writing in earnest, I had at least a path that the, the beginning and end are still the same, which is really cool. The, the middle's different, but, mm. you know, the chewy center. Um, and I, I, but I wonder, like, what that looks like from a visual 
representation and, and how you do that during, as you're trying to figure out what comes next, where you can be free, but you also are winnowing down and you get to discard stuff and not even think about it ever again versus like, oh, I made these things while I was figuring out what I'm doing next, but now I feel like I should keep these because I put all this time into these, you know? Yeah. And it all, the whole thing makes me smile a little bit at myself just because I use words like scary and, you know, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. And it's a creative practice. Yeah. And it's, you know, no one's life is in the balance. Exactly. But it is, you know, our ego, our ego <laughs> is like, this is, is very scary. Yes, exactly. No, no, you don't want to put yourself out there. That's you call crazy. yourself an artist? <laughs> our inner <laughs> ego critic. <laughs> Yeah. And so I, it's, I'm trying to think of, um, you know, one of the things that you said that was always good to have in the back of your head is even if it's you're reaching for the giddiness and those better feeling thoughts and you're working through these ideas is that, you know, having, having that patience, you know, uh, I, I could see where if you do have a show coming up, you're like, I got to come up with something soon. Otherwise I'm not going to have anything to work on. Or if you're on a publishing deadline or something like that, where it gets a little, a lot more compressed, but if you can still have the grace to have that patience. Mm. And and tr trust the process, whatever it is, because it's going to be different every time. But trust that you've done it before and what's going to come out the other side is still going to be something that you're going to be willing to hang your hat on and and know that it's not the end of your, like, that's not the last thing you're going to create. Right. That's the other thing too, right? It's like, oh my God, this is the most <laughs> important thing ever. It's like, oh, and now I'm done. And <laughs> And we talked about that a little bit. Like when you finish a thing, when you get to the end of it, then there's like this aimlessness, this mm -hmm. this drifting, like, now, well, now what do I do, you know? And, you know, I always imagine just wandering around a poorly lit house around <laughs> dusk, like, well, now. And we, um, the, the writing group that I still keep in touch with from Viable Paradise, we just had a uh, mandatory fun Zoom meeting, which is a Harkening back to a thing that happens when you go to the workshop, it's a uh, mandatory fun. And we read this book called uh, The Unstrung Harp, and it's uh, an Edward Gorey book, oh. and it's about an author. And, and it, it really captures a lot of sort of the, the aimlessness and the drifting <laughs> of, through the whole process. And it, it's, I hi highly encourage anyone to read it if you can find it. It's probably online somewhere, but uh, it's short, but it's, it's hilarious. And it's true. It's like, man, you're done. It's like, well, now what do I do? Because you put your you put all of your egoic marbles. I don't know if that's such a Ooh. thing. <laughs> you, into into that thing, and then you lose your marbles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah. And so the the coolest thing in that transition period for me is that it's like, well, I have this really this better feeling thought of this novel that I just finished the draft of, and I can carry that with me as I work through these ideas, and I'll and I'll recognize that same feeling once I hit on something that feels fun and exciting and also a little bit scary. Um, so I think, I think those are some pretty good components to take with you yeah. in those transition places. But that, it's funny, I, I was never a better feeling thought guy up until recently. And, and I realized how much that feeling is, is the thing. And we were talking about that from the uh, Abraham standpoint, if anyone's familiar with that. I'm not sure if we linked to any of that previously. I but I uh, think we have. But anyway, this idea that and you, you will explain it a lot better than I will as far as the better feeling thought and oh. what it represents and right. rather than the thing itself. Right. Abraham in Deliberate Creation will ask, why do you want a thing? Well, because I'll be happy. So you think you'll be happy in the having of something, which is why you want it. But the ultimate goal is to be happy or, or to feel good, yeah. to feel calm, to feel 
you know, happy is one word, but like we've talked about before, happiness is a loaded right. concept. Just a better and not feeling a, thought. Yeah. So a better feeling thought is even relief or, you know, yeah. lo- lots of other feelings. And so you can have that feeling. You can choose to think thoughts that bring you that sense of relief or that sense of yeah. calm or whatever without the actual thing having happened. Yeah. Which is, is really cool. But it's hard to get your head around because you go, well, no, I can't because I'm not going to be happy until I have that thing. <laughs> well, going back to these interviews with the authors, you know, there's this, always this idea that once you get published, everything's going to be awesome. Yes. And it's just like, well, now you're published and now you get to do it all over again. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe you get a two or three book deal, but those end. And yeah. then what are you going to, you know, do you, do you still want to do it? And I think the reason, and we've talked about this before, why we create the reason that we do it isn't because we want to be generally rich and famous. It's just because we have fun right. while we're in the creative process. And then as we get older and we bring all of our stuff to, to the table as well, it becomes suddenly like, oh, you know, the struggle and all, all those things we've yeah. talked about before. A um, wise uh, person said the other day, and I wrote it down, Jonathan Dans. Love that guy. Said the anticipation of the thing is always better than the thing. <laughs> yeah. And we've talked about this idea before a lot that it's so true. Yeah, buy a new car and you get the car <laughs> and you're like, ah, and then it's like, I kind of like oh. driving this. And it's like, then eventually it's just a car. <laughs> yep. And it's like, oh. So again, where are you going to derive your, your good feelings and your satisfaction from? And if it's from external things versus internal, because the, the creative practice is all really at its best is all about these internal things yeah. that we do for ourselves, which I'm getting excited about it right now. And I haven't even I had coffee in a little while. So. <laughs> um, and I am, I'm kind of riding high on, on having finished this draft of the novel, having had you read it and say good things about it that yeah. ostensibly are not just because we're married. That's right. Um, and I'm looking forward to the critique, whatever that brings, because I know that that's actually just the next step and I get to make it better still, which mm-hmm. is exciting. And then we watched Dune yesterday and that Ooh, was exciting. Ooh, that, that's got some good stuff. Yeah. That might be an episode too. Dune? Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> House of Trades forever. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, uh, you know, this is a, a useful kind of exercise of us kind of going through where we are in these transitional periods and, and some ideas about the idea of transitions themselves and something that is always worth exploring if you, you know, the creative practice is the practice within the other practice of life. And yes, uh, oh. just kind of cool. But uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed it and uh, we'll see you next time on the Creative Double Shot.